You are listening to the Off The Turf Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Manteet, founder of The Turf Games. The common theme driving our community is a passion to improve. On this podcast, we will deconstruct the world's best athletes, entrepreneurs, industry leaders, and more in a bid to help everyday people optimize their performance in training, competing, and life. Welcome to the Off The Turf Podcast. Hey everybody, hope you're excited to listen to the James Newby podcast. It's a great episode with loads of insights into being an elite athlete. But um, as you notice, you're listening to it, um, There's a as the time goes on, there's a slight delay in the recording and it appears that I'm actually talking over James when he's finishing off a sentence and I'm asking questions. I just want to apologise for this. It wasn't actually the way it was when it was recorded. There's just been a delay in some of the audio files uh, when it's been uploaded. So uh, if you can, uh, I guess, look past it and uh, listen past it and enjoy it. Looking forward to hearing any feedback uh, once you've finished. But um, yeah, apologies for that and uh, enjoy. So today we're talking with James Newbury, fellow countryman, fifth fittest man in the world in 2019, four times Australia's fittest man and Under Armour athlete. 2019 was a year of high and some very, very low lows. James had a breakthrough Mm -hmm. performance at the 2019 CrossFit Games. And then a few months later, broke his back, which almost ended his 2020 hopes. On this podcast, we'll talk about the run-up to the 2019 Games, how he prepared mentally and physically, and how he overcame his mountain bike injury to get back to the competition floor. Welcome, James. How are you? Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. I'm doing real well, thanks. Excellent. So there's, there's lots to talk about. I'm not sure. I think we'll start with the, with the positives. But before we do, I just want to run through a couple of quick fire questions just to set the tone for the conversation. So I'll ask a, a couple of questions and you just give me your answer um, totally. as, as fast as you can. All right. So Shoot. dumbbell or barbells? Dumbbells. Sydney or Adelaide? Adelaide. ACDC or Powderfinger? ACDC. The Under Armour Tri-Base Rain 1 or Rain 2? Rain 2. Yeah, excellent. Uh, sun or snow? Oh, oh geez. <laughs> That's a tough one. Sun. Excellent. Um, muscle-ups or handstand push-ups? Oh, handstand push-ups. Adelaide Crows or West Coast Eagles? Adelaide Crows. Paddleboarding or mountain biking? Uh... Paddleboarding. <laughs> Two hands or Crocodile Dundee in movies talking about? Ooh, Crocodile Dundee. All right. And last one, would you rather do a one kilometre swim or a 5K run? Ooh, 5K run. I thought you were a big, uh, big lover of the water. I was expecting a 1K swim for that one. Yeah, I am a lover of the water, but I also do love running too. And I think I'd probably fare better in a 5K than I would in a 1K if I was up, if I was up against... Uh, dedicated runners and then dedicated swimmers i'd probably do better at the run i would say but i do love those yeah yeah we'll actually come to that later when we talk about the game stuff but um yeah sure. so let's let's segue into the games um so 2019 you had a, a breakthrough year at, at the crossfit games finishing fifth which i think is that the second best or the best it's the best yep. finish for an aussie male for quite some time but was it steve willis who finished fourth back in 09 
So it was, yeah, yeah, it was yeah. A, oh, no. a phenom- phenomenal result. So talk us through uh, the CrossFit Games. How, how was the experience? Oh, this year, or oh, sorry, last year, um, I absolutely loved it. Like, I think you needed to be prepared for the the really unknown and you had to get with the program. If you, you know, had decided or you had come to terms in your head that you didn't like the format and you weren't going to accept the format, I think that was only putting, you know, negative vibes around you for the week. And, you know, I've had the, the last three years prior to 2019 competing at the CrossFit Games, I haven't had a ton of fun. Um, you know, I, I, you tend to have fun when you do well. And if you don't do well, um, it's not a fun experience getting beat down every day and not, you know, you get used to winning so often that when you don't win, it's just like, oh man, what am I doing? And why am I here? And what am I doing this for? Yeah. Um, so I kind of just took it on board as like, you know, at the end of the day, the result is going to be what it's going to be. As long as I can put my, my, my best foot forward in every event and, you know, keep a, keep a positive attitude and, you know, just take it as it comes. Um, you know, I had been hung up in years previous about my result and expectations uh, I put on myself um, through the eyes of other people, what I, what I thought people expected of me. And that wasn't fun. So I was like, you know what, whatever. <laughs> if I go well, I go well. If I don't go well, too bad. It's just going to be what it's going to be. And, uh, you know, I came out the other end and had a great time. Yeah, the re- result definitely reflected that. So in terms of previous games and, and this games, did how did your preparation, was it different to how you prepared in previous years or, or did you just was it um, kind of similar? You just happened to come out in better better position. Yeah, look, I think um, it was definitely, it was a similar approach, but it was a different scenario. Um, like I had planned in the years previous to you know, do a bit of a camp leading into the games and really, you know, start getting my mind on it. I think this year, I think 2019, I just did it better. Um, I actually went over and spent about five weeks over in, um, in America and then Canada yep. prior to, to the game. So I spent... Uh, I spent a week in Portland um, with Under Armour yeah. and then I spent four, four weeks in Montreal with uh, Michelle Laton from Decacomp. She's my coach. And I also got to spend that time with Pat Velna, Laura Horvath and um, Sam uh, Cornier. So uh, being around, you know, other athletes to, to train with and to really get that extra 10% out of every session um, made a big, big difference in years previous um yeah 2018 was you know probably my second best year and I spent that time leading up with Tia Toomey and um and Shane yeah so and I had a I had a blast as well like in that lead up I had so much fun just like I did with Michelle um up in uh Montreal um but you know the results just didn't give me everything I wanted it was better than years past but didn't give me everything I wanted in 2018 um so I was still hungry for more um but the lead in itself like we trained hard and it was intense um but this one in montreal i think it just made everything click and i was just you know i felt really on point i felt really well tapered but you know what i found in the past tapering into a competition sometimes you can get it right you can get it wrong i don't think i've ever quite hit the nail on the head as well as i did in 2019 with michelle um you know there has been times in years previous where you know, I'd be taking two or three days off prior to competition and then get to the first day and feel like my lungs weren't open, my legs were heavy, there was lactic acid building up too easily. Um, and then with Michelle, you know, we were still working out very intensely 
you know, for 60 to 90 minutes the day before competition even started. So there was, there was subtle differences that I think led, led to, you know, getting the fifth at the end of the day. Yeah. So, so you're tapering, you, I guess you didn't kind of taper too much. You just kept that intensity up. So you went into the competition, um, pretty hot, I guess. Sparring. Yeah, exactly. I would always, you know, after experience, I would always prefer to go into a competition slightly overdone than underdone. Yeah. In- yeah Cause, and then the, the game is, is it four days or five days last year? Um, it really depends. We've done a five-day game before, but this year yeah. was four. So, yeah, we have done the five-dayer. Um, but, yeah, this year was four. We we ran from Thursday through a Sunday. Yeah. And then I, I think it was at the second last event on the Sunday. So your body's probably pretty cooked when you managed to uh, – was it was it that the Devil's Tricycle you pulled off, pulled off <laughs> an event win? <laughs> yeah, yeah, the ring of one. Yeah, I did. Um, that was just go for broke on that one, to be honest. Like – um, there was a couple of scenarios that could have played out either. Um, and we kind of weighed this up. I was on the phone to Michelle when I was down backstage and she called me and said, Hey, look, what have you got to lose? Like you're sitting in a good spot. Um, you know, there's decent points between you and the next person. Um, do you play it safe and kind of try and sit mid pack and hold mid pack for both events? Or do you go out and try and just pull an event win and, you know, grab the cash and then, you know, hang on for dear life for the rest. And I was like, yeah, why not? Let's do yeah. it. It was like kind of read my mind. I really wanted her to say, you know what, just go balls out. <laughs> and so I did. So it was good. Excellent. Yeah. And you also came second in another event, didn't you? The um the, the swim paddleboard? Yeah. 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 Got a second in the swim paddleboard. I had a fellow fellow Aussie get me in that one. You know, that was one of the ones all weekend that I really wanted to win was the water yeah. event. But yeah, Maddie McLeod was just too far. How far ahead was he on that one? Um I think he came in probably about maybe just under two minutes or around two minutes, somewhere there faster yeah. than I did. Um, I think if we, I think if we had uh, potentially had a longer paddle and a shorter swim, it may have been a lot closer. Um, Cause I do love the paddle board and I do get on the paddle board quite a lot. He's just a great, so I know he's great on the paddle board as well. So maybe not like I could yeah. be wrong. Um, but he is a he is a, a fantastic swimmer. So you know, props to him. He, he's just fast in the water. Yeah, the Aussies did well in that one, didn't they? they had, we had Tia come first in the females, and then yeah. Aussies first, second in the in the males. Why do you think that is that the Aussies dominate the the water events and have done for for quite a few years? Um, I I think that you know most of most of the Aussies um, tend to live up grow up. Um, you know, around the ocean. And I think that does play a big role. Like I always surfed and um, ever since I was a young kid and, you know, the, the school that I went to was by the coast. So a lot of the guys that I was hanging around at school, like they did surf lifesaving. So that kind of intrigued me to do surf lifesaving. So it got me on a nippers board and, you know, a clubby and, you know, getting out and doing, you know, surf training and getting in the water and getting uncomfortable out in the water on boards and swimming. So I think it's just, you know, naturally, naturally um, you're brought up with it. So I think that plays, you know, a big part. And then, you know, also when I first made the CrossFit Games in 2016, I thought, you know, I don't want to be the Aussie that doesn't do well in the water. So I'm going to put extra time into the water. So I did. And, you know, it kind of pays off. So what I think whatever you focus on, you tend to do well at. And, you know, the Aussies are kind of known for doing well in the water. So we usually put a, you know, maybe a bit of extra time into doing it. Yeah, definitely. I think we're, yeah, growing up in Australia, it's naturally that you was it some there's 
the silly stat that the number of people in Australia who actually live on the coast is a ninety odd percent or something, and so you're naturally inclined to yeah. the, the surf yeah. and you know big powerful waves you grow up on, and you just you just used to accustomed to that 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 water environment, which is it kind of makes sense that we do Aussies do reasonably well in the in the water stuff. But um, it, even even though you enjoy the water, out of all the events over the four days, what was the event that you enjoyed the most, even if it wasn't an event that you won? Hmm. Well, you know, I'm trying to have a think. There were so many good events that I actually really enjoyed, even though I didn't, you know, do, you know, um, extremely well at everything. Um, but, you know, I tend to always really enjoy the ones that I do well yeah. at. So I had a blast doing the... Um, I had a blast doing the ring of one, you know, getting an event win. That was my first ever event win. So that was definitely something to remember. Um, But to be honest, I just love the water event. Um, That one, even though I didn't win it, um, that was probably one of my favorites. Like the swim was nice and smooth and then you get on the board and you just, you know, you just, I remember Noah, Noah, I was passing Noah on the board and he says to me, Hey, in his, in his American accent, Hey, Jimmy, how good is that? This is our job. We get to do this all the time. I was like, yeah, man, it's pretty yeah, good. That's cool. So uh, probably that one, just sitting there and soaking yeah. that in. Um, there wasn't a ton of pressure on that workout. We had already made the top 10. It was Sunday morning. Um, and so I was paddling along kind of knowing that I was going to come in second well before the event had finished. Like Matt was too far ahead. I could tell that. And I knew that no one around me was probably going to pit me on the board. So um, I was kind of nice and comfortable and, you know, not exerting crazy amounts of effort. And I, I got to really soak yeah. it in. No, normally the pressure is on and you're fighting for absolutely every second in most events at the CrossFit Games and your heart rate skyrocketed. But that was one event where I could kind of coast, soak it in, enjoy and not be so stressed. So that was a really uh, different type of feeling because 99% of my other events at the CrossFit Games over the last four years have just been high stress. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then just to make us feel a little bit more um, mortal, like are there are there times because watching you know athletes of your level competing, it just it looks like sometimes you're doing it so easily and you're you know you're barely exhausted. Are there points during workouts where you just like you're in an absolute world of pain, you and, and you just want to throw the towel in and you, you're really struggling? Oh yeah, totally. Like um, I think. You know, there's there's no difference between, you know, me pushing 100% and, you know, someone just the everyday person visiting their local gym pushing 100%. It's, yeah, it's all relative. Um, I think, you know, if you were to take a quick squeeze at me in ringer number two, the event post ringer number one, the event that I won, um, and you were to look at me in that second part, uh, I was in a world of pain and I could not move. My burpees were the slowest I've ever seen them <laughs> in my entire life. And I remember taking a glance over to my left-hand side where one of the head judges was standing um, and I'm looking at him and I'm on the ground mid burpee, just stuck on the floor, chest to ground. And he's just smiling, just looking at me, just thinking this dude is wrecked. (laughs) And you know what? Like it it is what it is. There have been times where you can enjoy the moment being so trash. And there are other times where the workout is so frustratingly hard and you just, you know, you wish in your head that you'd done more work prior so it, you, you could at least, you know, get a good result, not just hurt really bad and get a bad result. You know, if you're going to hurt real bad, yeah. you want to win, <laughs> you know. So I think, you know, that thought comes across your head so many times um, 
you know, whether it's in training or in competition, um, you know, sometimes you get a golden run, like in the 2018 regionals, I had a fantastic run and absolutely every event, you know, was executed perfectly. And, you know, I, I think out of the seven events, I got maybe four event wins and the rest were in the top three or four. So there was a golden run there, which every event went really, really well. Um, but there have been times where I've gone to competition and, you know, most events don't go great, especially your debut at the games where not every event, like even the events where you expect to do well, you do so poorly. And there are times you're just like, oh my God, why am I doing this? But, you know, at the end of the day, it's a learning experience and I'm all about the experience. And I've said this before, um, whether it's good or bad, at the end of the day, you'll come out and you'll be able to reassess and, and look at things a little bit sharper and a little bit cleaner. And, um, you know, it's character building too. You know, if you go around just absolutely crushing and winning everything, there are not a, a ton of lessons you can learn from that. Um, it yeah. only goes so far. Um, so I think, I think there's, you know, there's a, a lot to be learned in, in losing too and, and feeling frustration and, and having the, having, having the, um, the mental, the mental ability to bring yourself out of a sticky situation where you're doubting yourself and you're, you're not so positive to say, you know, well, I'm just going to press on. And yeah, so this leads on to the, I was going to ask about your mindset. So when you're preparing for the CrossFit Games or any any event or any any competition, how do you prepare physically, you know, th- this year or last year, sorry, you kind of didn't taper as much and you kind of went into the Games pretty, pretty hot. How did you prepare mentally um, or how did you get your mindset right for competition? Yeah, I just, uh, something that's really helped my mind game um, in the last few years is, you know, just looking at, looking at the effort um, that I put in um, rather than the, rather than the result. So having the orientation in your brain that it's going to be the effort rather than the result tends to take a bit of pressure off the shoulders. Therefore, allowing myself to be as happy as possible will usually give me the best result when I'm happy um, and when I'm in a good mood. Um, obviously serious, but when I'm in a good mood, I tend to perform better rather than, you know, getting, letting things get on top of me. Um, so, you know, being a bit, bit carefree and a bit easygoing and, you know, putting the foot down when I need to, and, you know, it helps me to reserve energy, that nervous, nervous tension you can leave to the very last second to utilize. And instead of being nervous and, and feeling the pressure all weekend, you only feel it, you know, just right before your events. And, you know, I, I think having a game plan as well. So in my head, you know, going into the game, just thinking, you know, I'm just going to do my best. Um, I've got, you know, a fantastic coach that I can put my, um, put my, uh, uh, I guess my my trust in um, to come up with a good game plan for me to to do well and just put all my effort into executing that game plan to the best of my ability and to the best of my fitness. Um, and if I do that and I go out there and I hurt real bad for the time that I need to, I know the result will be good as long as I put in the effort of training, yeah, which I know sense. I did. Is there, so at the, you're standing at the, at the start line. Do you have any, any thoughts to run through your head from a motivation point of view that kind of lifts your game or gets you really switched on or, or a breathing technique that just makes you 100% ready to go? Yeah, so um, I have actually yeah been asked this one before, and you know everything when things are becoming stressful for me, um, no matter the situation, when things are sort of getting on top of me, I was like, oh man, we're about to go. Yeah. We've got sixty seconds, and this is you know make or break, make or break. Um, all I think into my head is you yeah, know, yeah, just breathe, yeah. <laughs> just breathe, just breathe. 
All right, and all like all, all some positive self-talk, like you got this, you got it, you got it, you got it, just breathe, you got it. And then, you know, they're just like, stand by. Yeah, and it's like, good. let's do this. Is there any uh, any song or any anything that gets you really going or like a, a memory of a sporting event that you just like, you channel when you really want to get yourself amped back up? Yeah, yeah, totally. So um, something that I think about, um, you know, getting into competition that kind of, you know, probably set the scene for, you know, the path that I took as a, as a junior. Um, I was running a 70 meters um, at an athletics day and the weekend before I got absolutely flogged. Um, it was my first day that prior weekend and I, and I got trashed. I thought I was fast at the time. I was only eight years old, I think. And um, the next weekend I went out there and a, a friend of mine, um, her dad actually said to me, just make sure when you run, this race, I saw last week that you were looking all over the shop and, you know, your eyes were in everybody else's lane and you weren't focusing, your, your effort wasn't focused down your lane and looking through the, the finish line. All I want you to do is focus on looking through the finish line and don't take your eyes off it for the whole time. And um, I took that on board and ended up winning the race. And then from there, I was yeah. like addicted to winning. I just, wanted, I just wanted to win everything. So, you know, when things are getting really hot and heated and, you know, I need to focus, just focus on yourself, focus on your lane, focus on your rowing stroke and focus on your breathing and, and then focus on, okay, as soon as I finish this, I'm going to pull my feet out of this, this rower as fast as I can. I'm going to get to yeah. the next thing I'm going to start, start it straight away. Um, and, you know, and then breathe and then start and then breathe and then start and then breathe and continue on doing that. And just, you know, when things become scrambled in your head and you're just like, I don't even know what I'm doing. It's just like, okay, just breathe just do the first rep that's in front of you and then the f- next rep and then the next rep instead of looking too far ahead and, and getting jumbled with everything that you got to do. So thinking about that, that kind of fires me up. Thinking about sticking to my lane fires me up. And then there's, um, uh, do you remember the old song the, from uh, yeah, the Cranberries yeah, yeah. Zombie? Zombie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, I think a lot of people probably know it. It's quite a, quite a, a pop, like a, a well-known song there's a there's another one that was redone by bad wolves that's probably my my g up song it's really yeah. good it's a bit grungy a bit rock and uh that would probably have to be something that gets me fired up that's actually what oh, nice, i listened to nice. for that ringer event so <laughs> yeah music it definitely, definitely works go to to get you uh all, all scenes from movies that you can kind of you know short short little you can you can watch to get yourself really pumped up and that that blood flowing but um yeah have you always like growing totally. up are you always at the at the top of your sort of level in any sport you did, or were you just one of those one of those guys who just stuck at it, kept working, kept working, you kind of started coming through the ranks? Well, yeah, I guess a bit of both, to be honest. Um, you know, everything that I did um, from about that age on, um, uh, from about eight years old onwards, I you know I was up around the top, I guess. Uh, in the field um there are a couple of things that i won but i never won a ton um i was always in the top say three or four um so if i was doing athletics i was always in the top you know three in the high jump maybe in the top five in the hundred maybe in the top four in the 200 top four in the 400 um i won things like shot put um so i was in the i was in the vicinity of that area in say like for a state um, like a state yeah. uh, type scenario. Um, 
I would usually win the things at, at, uh, at little athletics and things like that. And then when I got into rugby league, you know, I, I performed pretty well. I made state teams and did well there and captained a lot of those and then, you know, made junior oh, wow. Australian teams for rugby league. That's a bit different from um, a boy, boy from Adelaide so, playing rugby but, league. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. I know. Um, but yeah, it's something that I was really interested in. Um, you know, I enjoyed the physicality of it. I enjoyed the push. I enjoyed, you know, being fast and scoring tries. Um, I loved surfing as a junior as well. I was never very good though. That was probably one thing that I never yeah. excelled at, but I loved. Um, and, but yeah, most things that I got my hands on, I was, I was pretty good at, but never, never, the never like the, the best of the best, um, I think, I think it came in time um, until I found something that, you know, um, really suited the type of athlete that I was, which is, you know, probably CrossFit being uh, as yeah, well-rounded yeah. as possible. Um, so, yeah, I, I, was always, I, I was always around the top, but it took consistent effort. I was quite diligent. Like, I didn't drink a lot as a teenager. Um, I you know, made training a priority most of the time. I still had a good time. Don't get me wrong. Like I still went out with my mates, but you know, I was always a sober driver, things like that. So I did sacrifice things to be there. Um, and I always wanted to be the best at anything that I did. So, um, that was always a bit of a drive. I just wanted to excel and to, and to win and, you know, that addiction for winning. Um, and then the feeling that I got from it, it made me feel good. So I just wanted to chase more and more of that. Um, so yeah, I was always, I was always around the top. And then, you know, with CrossFit, I, I didn't always win. You know, I got into it, did pretty well to begin with, um, you know, made regionals in my second year. Uh, and then, you know, did pretty well at my first regionals um, after not a lot of experience. Um, I'd been doing CrossFit for like 12 months. And, you know, then from there, I went from, you know, ninth to 13th to fourth to uh to 13th or something um and then finally got a second and made it to the game so um i was up around the top and then i just really had to focus and you know cut away a few things that were distracting to really focus on what i wanted to do and uh yeah i i just just yeah, determination i guess to get, get, chase that chase down that dream that goal yeah. So you mentioned yeah, about yeah, exactly. you know, you're, you're quite a well-rounded athlete and, and being in functional fitness or, or CrossFit, there are so many disciplines from Olympic lifting to gymnastics, endurance, general strength, et cetera. Everybody has their strengths and their weaknesses. From your experience and your advice, a lot of people, you know, say work on your weaknesses, then they become your strengths. So you're, I guess, in, you're an even keel across all different disciplines what are your thoughts on, or what would you recommend? Do you mm-hmm. think we make our strengths even stronger and we just make our weaknesses not, not as weak? Or do you think we try and be well-rounded across the board? Well, uh, that's actually a very good question. And I have thought about this <laughs> a fair bit. Um, it depends on the athlete, for sure. But for me, definitely make my strengths stronger and make my weaknesses yeah. something that's not going to hurt me too bad. Um, there's probably not a lot of sense in me trying to win, go out and win the snatch and the clean and jerk event. Whereas I know that if I actually put my efforts towards either the running or swimming or um, triathlon style events and the odd weird aerobic events, um, I'm much better to gain points there. And the way that the point system is structured 
is, you know, you make bank on the ones that you can place top three in. So um, that's better than, you know, just being averagely, you know, 12th across the board. Um, Plus it also gives you highlights to take away um, from the CrossFit games when you go there and you can compete. Um, If you just get, you know, between 12 and 15 in every event, it's just like, oh yeah, I did moderately okay in kind of everything. Whereas, you know, it's like I would prefer to have a couple of top three finishes and the rest sitting around that 20th mark, you know, just a couple of highlights to take away from the event um, that you can kind of say, you know what, I crushed that. I did, I did well. And, you know, in that area, I know I'm one of the best in the world. Um, So yeah, for me, it's a, I've, I've done it before the opposite way and and focused on my weaknesses, Um, you know, and that probably prepared me for doing well here in 2019 um, in the years past. So it brought my weaknesses up to a okay. position where they were bad, yeah. not so bad and exactly. But then now focusing on areas where I know that I can, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm quite confident in being able to go toe to toe with anyone else out there in, um, you know, focusing on them. And plus they're the things that I enjoy too. So I'm at a, at a point in time, whereas if I'm not going to enjoy my training, then there's no way I'm competing. I have to enjoy it. And if I don't enjoy it, it's not for me anymore. Um, so there's definitely room to room to improve, but I have to enjoy the process. Um, and I do enjoy working on my weaknesses. Don't get me wrong, but I also enjoy, you know, going out for bike rides like tomorrow morning. I think we have a three and a half hour bike ride today. I went out and I surfed for almost three hours and that was fantastic. Um, so I'm not, not about to drop any. And then we'll get on to the recovery from your injury in a moment, but during a competition, a lot of competitions you do a multi-day at the end of each day, what's your kind of go-to recovery routine or process to make sure that you kind of wake up the next day as fresh as possible? Yeah, so it's uh, always about getting getting back to food as fast as possible. So trying to get as much fuel in as you can to sustain what you've got to do for the rest of the weekend or the rest of the competition and, and heal as much as we can. Um, so getting food in is crucial. Um, Kayla is usually with me. Um, that's my girlfriend. She's usually with me, um, for every competition and she always gives me a massage. Um, so, and you know, she's absolutely fantastic at, you know, feeding me and massaging me while I'm at competition. She pretty much goes into a state of mind where she's literally there (laughs) just all for me to, to say, Hey, she's like, she's always asking, do you need anything? Do you want anything? And then she also is very intuitive to understand, when I just want some quiet time or some alone time. So having her there is, you know, that's, that's one of the best things that I have ever put in place. And she actually kind of pushed me to put it in place, but yeah. So massage, lots of food, early bedtime, lots of water and hydration, salt in my water. Um, and, you know, just flushing the legs and then just, you know, relaxing, just relaxing and turning the brain off from, you know, the competition day and, you know, uh, and then allowing yourself to, uh, enjoy the moments that you did well that day. Um, and you know, and, and don't let them get you too crazily high because then it's a waste of energy, but, you know, really enjoy them. Um, and then let the low, the low parts, you know, don't sit on them for too long. You know, it is what it is. You know, you get some good events, you get some bad events and, you know, at the end of the day, move on and move to the next one. Make sure you're having Um, fun, isn't it? Otherwise, well, what is the point? Totally. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, get a massage, have a flush, make sure you get lots of good water and hydration, really allow your body to soak up everything it needs and good quality food. Do you food jump in ice baths or any kind of electric pulse um, 
Yeah, yep, yep, totally. So usually at the end of every day at any of the major competitions that we go to, there's an ice bath there. So I'll always finish the day off with uh, okay. two by two minute How much gap between the ice baths? Uh, usually about 90 seconds, 90 seconds to two minutes. Um, if there's ability to jump into some heat, I'll probably jump into heat for about four or five minutes. But if there's not, you'll okay. take a 90 second break. And Excellent. Do you do any uh, those sort of compacts, electric pulse um apparatuses yeah 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 so i've got a i've got a complex and a massage gun so i'll usually if kayla's you know got the uh massage gun on my legs i can usually pop the uh, complex say up on my upper back or my arms or my uh forearms um and then vice versa um you know sometimes if she's uh maybe massaging a shoulder or she's got the gun on my upper body, I can pop some of the, the complex boots on my legs and, and have a flush with the complex boots on there instead. So um, getting a bit of that, uh, you know, lymph moving around, blood moving around, a bit of flow. Um, but I'm trying not to overdo it too much. You know, the body will heal. Um, we can you, we can push it in the right direction, but at a competition, the body will heal as good as it's, you know, the fuel that it's getting into. So make sure I'm focusing on getting in that, getting in the good food, getting in the vitamins and minerals and getting in the calories that I need and then uh, making sure I'm really hydrated. I think one thing that people lack uh, in terms of competition day is they just always forget about hydration. Hydration can play such a huge role in doing well in an event or doing poorly in an event just by the way that you feel acutely from being even slightly dehydrated. So well, I think hydration, hydration just in general life has a huge bearing on just how we feel generally. And then obviously it's uh, magnified in, in, in competition because you're pushing your body to, to such a high intensity. But yeah, I think hydration is definitely underrated um, in all aspects of life. But um, totally. just leading on to, I guess, you know, you had a, an amazing uh, August CrossFit Games and then was it about two months later? Was it mid, mid to end of October? Something uh, was a bit of yeah yeah it was it was mid October it was literally the uh, it was the week after I decided <laughs> to go vegan so um, yeah I can kind of yeah. always remember well, exactly actually, when we'll it touch was. On the nutrition shortly, but talk us through the uh, the injury that you sustained in October and how you got how you got it. Yeah. So yeah. Um, so I uh, decided to go mountain bike riding with a few friends. Um, we had three bikes and four of us. So we were all just swapping bikes between everyone. And, um, we were almost finished and, uh, I was coming down the mountain and I just overshot a corner, um, went over the handlebars and there happened to be a, a tree just sitting kind of right exactly where I was going to fall. And I basically just kind of speared it with the middle of my head, um, kind of like, uh, right on the top of my skull. Um, and I, yeah, I, I cracked the helmet pretty your bad. Helmet? It was brand new helmet. It was straight out of the box. Um, crack. <laughs> no, it was my helmet. Straight. Yeah, it was my helmet. But uh, yeah, gave it a gave it a good cracking. Um, and I sustained a few broken ribs, um, broke a couple of uh, spinal uh, processes off. Uh, oh, what was it? T two, T three, I think, from memory. Um, so just broke off those, uh, those little shark fins on the back of the spine. So broke some of those off, um, punched the lung, had a bit of a pneumothorax. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was a bit difficult to breathe for about 10 days. Um, and also quite stiff in my upper back. 
Um, and then the ribs were were, were rather sharp, yeah, <laughs> rather sharp, pain, painful, uh, rather painful experience. Um, so yeah, that kind of put a bit of a dampener on because I was prepping for. Well, we were actually mid open. Okay. It was actually the second weekend of the CrossFit Open. Um, so I'd already done the workout, needed to redo the workout, didn't do great on it the first time, um, and obviously put a spanner in the works there and couldn't redo that workout. So had to. Um, it might have even been week three, to be honest, just going back on memory. Um, so I had to, you know, pull out of the open. Um, and yeah, that ever, basically what I was told from the doctors with the, with the injuries that, you know, they found um, that it probably would be six weeks, five to six weeks, seven weeks, depending on how, how quick I could heal um, before I could get back to, you know, any physical proper training um so i was just like oh, yeah yeah that's a pretty long time and uh i i also had planned after the open that i wanted to do an ironman uh something i'd always wanted to do and never had you know uh had the opportunity prior and i'd registered for bustleton ironman in perth um and that was exactly five weekends after the accident so I kind of made it a bit of a, a bit of a challenge for myself to heal as fast as possible to try and be ready for that. And that was, that was what was, you spent a couple of know, days in hospital getting better. Heal. Yeah. I spent five days in hospital. Um, yeah. I thought I was going to be in and out within an hour um, leading into it. Like I kind of got out of the car pretty stiff and pretty sore. Um, they put me in a wheelchair and then kind of wheeled me in and was just like, how are you feeling? And I'm just like, Oh, yeah, I knocked my head pretty hard and my back is pretty, pretty sore and my back was bleeding. And I said, oh, but pain-wise, if I don't move, it's a six. But if you try and move me, it's more like a 10. And um, so I kind of sat in the waiting room for three hours or so. And, and then eventually they saw me and got me into a CT scan and, and checked everything out and came out with the goods, gave me the lowdown and said, oh, yeah, you won't be going home tonight. And I was like, oh, there we go. And then, uh, yeah, then the next day, yeah, it's like, yeah, you're not going home today either. And then I was like, okay, what about tomorrow? It's like, yeah, probably tomorrow. And then the next day came, I was like, no, you're not going yet. Um, so they just wanted to make sure that the the neuro guys were happy with, you know, the, making sure that my spine um, was intact properly and it was non-displaced and there wasn't any go- going to be anything impeding my spinal cord or anything like that. Um, and then the uh, thoracic, the thoracic guys had to give me the all clear as well. Um, obviously with a partially collapsed lung they can't they want to make sure that you know it doesn't doesn't collapse fully and you know have to you know give your chest a bit of a piercing and and try and drain out some of that air that's between the the lung and the chest cavity so i kind of just had to you know sit tight and hang on and i got a got out on day five so it was a lot longer than what i expected but um well yeah you know i I guess it was for the best they all sound pretty Um, intense so it was probably it seems like actually quite a short period of time in hospital but um obviously you're eager to to get back into it yeah yeah oh exactly um that was so basically as far as i could tell um you know it was okay to you know move around as long as it wasn't causing me any any drastic pain or anything like that so um if I wasn't allowed to train to the, to how I was normally, you know, able to train, which I uh, like, I'm not a, I'm not a stupid person. So there's no way that I was going to go, you know, chuck on a back squat and try and back squat with what I had done. But uh, I, I knew that it was probably okay to tick my legs over 
on an indoor trainer. So I had my bike, my bike set up on the indoor trainer. I yeah. had the TV here. I was watching Rockies and, you know, on the, on day six, um, I was on the bike and I was just ticking my legs over at, you know, a very relaxed pace for an hour and day seven was two hours and day eight was three hours and day nine was four hours and so on. Um, and then, you know, I think getting out of bed and getting moving and getting blood flow and getting, you know, some fresh oxygen into the system and blood cells and all that type of stuff and creating a bit of, um, creating a bit of movement in my lymph and everything else. I think I really spurred on to help healing, um, and the healing process. Um, but also knowing that I wasn't able to train the way I normally could, it's like, okay, well, let's just turbocharge working in. So I spent a lot of time working in and, you know, working in obviously as it sounds is basically the opposite of working out. It's what is going to draw back energy and healing into my body instead of outputting energy. And, you know, so there's a a few practices that I like to do on a daily basis anyway, which is saunering. Um, So I've got a sauna here at home. So I saunered, you know, twice a day, um, every day just to increase heat shock protein release and wound healing um, uh, properties um there i was getting in my float tank a float tank at the gym so i was in my float tank soaking up magnesium and de-weighting the body um i was down in the ocean getting cold um almost every or i was in there every day but most of the time it was two to three times a day um so i was getting down to the beach which is like 200 meters from my house um i was getting out and getting sunlight every day so i was sitting out in the sun exposing as much skin as i could to the sun um i was even though a lot of people probably don't believe in it, I was earthing as much as I could. So barefoot on the ground as much as I could. Um, I was basically doing everything I could to help really turbocharge the healing process. I was sleeping a lot. I would sleep long hours during the night and always nap during the day for 60 to 90 minutes, sometimes longer. Um, Eating really good quality food, um, having good quality um, supplements as well, um, making sure I was staying hydrated. Um, so I was, I was doing all the right things, I think, in terms of, you know, giving my body every ability to heal rather than just. Yeah, it sounds like bed, you've, everything you gave your, your body every chance possible uh, through recovery and, and recovery techniques to get back to 100 percent as fast as you can. And did you and all I'm, I'm assuming by doing all that, you, you maintained a pretty positive mindset that, you know, I'm not going to let this, this stop me. I'm going to get back to full strength and full health as soon as possible and, and get back into it. And you, you, you did from memory that, like you said, yeah. the Ironman was what, five or six weeks later and you actually did that Ironman, didn't you? Yeah, did the Ironman. Um, yeah, it was five weekends later. Um, did the Ironman, had a blast, <laughs> made me want to do another one. Yeah. I don't know why, but I want to do another one. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't want to miss out on that. Like we had planned to go over with a group of mates um, from the gym and, you know, just have a good time. So that was something I didn't want to miss out on. So, yeah, I got to do the Ironman and, and had a blast doing it. Um, I was back being able to do miniature simulation um, triathlons for up to about five hours by, right. you know, day 14. It's a nice turnaround post, time. Post-injury. Post injury. Yeah, it was, it was really good. Like, um, I, I got a checkup on day 15. Um, I got, I got re-scanned, um, and they couldn't see any breaks in my back, in my ribs, in my spinal processes after, yeah, about 15 days. So, 
um, I, I think it, you know, it really just goes to show that, you know, doing the, the things that we should probably do in, in everyday life that, you know, really help promote the body wanting to do what it wants to do can probably really help us. Um, but yeah, doing the Ironman was, you know, what spurred me on and everyone's like, oh, you're not going to do that Ironman. And it's like, <laughs> well, I'm really, I really want to do this Ironman for sure. So um, yeah, that was, that was the motivation was to get back and to do that. Something I've always wanted to try. So that was that was key, and uh, and uh, I think I think it's probably you know if it's helped you know a few people get over a couple of humps that bumps in the road. Yeah, that having a, even even if you're not engineering, you see, set yourself a short term, medium term goal. Just having that focus to to push yourself and and stay positive and, and train towards something just it goes a long way to achieving and, and getting to where you want to get to. If you just sort of don't have a goal in mind you can you can kind of do what you, do what you need to and other as a bare minimum but to really achieve or progress you really need to have a um a, a goal orientated focus is always desirable i think totally and i guess this is where it puts us at the moment with uh c19 and the lockdown and and most of our competition pretty much all our competitions you know getting put by the wayside for the time being is that that goal is like okay so I'm going to do all this training, but when do I actually get to test it? Um, and, you know, sometimes that's a bit of a hard pill to swallow. So I guess for, for, yeah. for most of us, I think it's about maintaining, maintaining a, such a, a solid base, you know, not crushing everything, but maintaining a solid base. So when things get put back into gear and then we have some certainty on when our competitions are going to be running, we're able to then kick into a, kick into a training phase um, that our body can cope with and can build on rather than having to go through a building phase for six to eight weeks prior to that um, and delaying that process. So if we're at a maintenance phase here at a fairly high maintenance phase, and then they say, okay, cool competitions in 16 weeks. It's like, all right, sweet. Well, I can kick the volume into gear and my body's going to be able to handle it without, you know, being, you know, completely buckled for, seven days after the first set of yeah. squats. You I think that's do, which really is usually what happens. Point you take and time that off. word of maintenance in this period is probably the key thing. It's not about, it is, it's quite hard to really flog yourself too much, but I think it's just maintaining that base. So yeah, when, when we do get the green light that you can kind of build off that. And it's, and also with the health issues going on at the moment, you don't want to kind of put your body into a deficit where you, you're at risk of, of uh, getting more sick. No. So I think yeah, them, it's good advice to just maintaining that, okay. that core base. So when we are, out there and, and ready to go you can can build quite quickly but you have touched on quite a bit how important to you nutrition is and you you did go you have you are now a vegan and you, you went vegan sort of mid mid october what was the decision behind that was it a a force due to health issues um or was it just something that you made a conscious decision to to go vegan it was definitely a conscious decision it wasn't for health at all for me um, it wasn't for looking for an edge on my competition. It wasn't um, to do with, you know, uh, scared of, you know, uh, chronic disease or anything like that. Um, it was solely due to the fact that you know, that's the way I felt about what I was doing to the environment and to the animals within the environment. It was, yeah, more of a, more of an ethical conscious decision that I felt like uh, I'd wanted to do for years prior to it. And, you know, just came to the realization that why, just why and I, am I not doing this? I don't believe, I don't believe it's going to affect me the way that, um, 
you know, most people say it's going to affect me. And you know what? So far, so good. Like it's been, it's been a fair, I can't even, I can't yep. even figure out how many months it's been, but October last year. Um, and, and, you know, I have not lost any strength. I have not lost any size. I haven't lost anything that I had before. I don't feel, you know, drastically better. Yeah. Like I'm not going to go out and say that I feel like a Superman or anything like that. I feel the same. I literally feel the same. I just wake up with, you know, a bit of a lighter conscience and I feel like I'm doing some good for the animals out there and doing some good for the, the environment. So it's, it's definitely more ethical for me. Um, and, you know, and I'm sure what I've noticed is I'm definitely a lot more conscious about what goes onto my plate and what goes into my food. So, and what goes onto in the bowls that I make and the things that I prepare, they're vibrant and colorful and varied and the, I'm definitely getting a lot more phytonutrient, um, phytonutrients, vitamins, minerals, and a wide variety of these things a lot more now than I was before. I think you can get stuck into a, into a, a rhythm of, you know, just the monotonous routine of, you know, um, what you would regularly have. Um, and then, you know, you do it for 20, 29 years and then, you go, Oh wait, there's another way of doing it. And this is really cool. And it spices things up and changes. Um, and you can actually make it, you can make it whatever you want it to be. Uh, I dropped, I dropped my protein intake by a fair amount. Not that I needed to, if I really wanted to get 220 grams of protein in a day, that wouldn't be an issue for me on a plant-based diet. It's easy enough. Um, you just need to take the time to understand how to do it and then put that in place rather than going to the, the regular things that you would normally do on your omnivorous diet. Um, so I dropped, I dropped to going maybe around the 220 gram mark of protein a day down to about 160, 170. And you know what? I have lot, haven't lost any strength, haven't lost any, any size or anything like that. And, you know, I still feel fantastic. I still have my bad yeah, days definitely. and my good days, but I had them before as well. So I can't, I can't, I can't really put it down. No, I think it's the biggest worry people have probably particularly males is the, is the protein deficiency. They think you might get if you, if you go vegan and how do you get so much protein into your body? And, but I think it's through lack of education of, of what, what actually the macros of food are made up of and how much protein are in other, you know, uh, legumes and and nuts and and so on. That's what's your main source of, of protein through, through being a vegan or in your vegan diet? Yeah, it's actually really varied. Um, so I definitely get a lot of my protein from tempeh. Yep. Um, tempeh is probably one of my staples. Uh, tempeh, tofu, lentils, uh, black beans, um, nut. I, I do have a lot of nut butters. Um, so nuts and seeds. Um, I'm having, you know, protein powder as well, um, like hemp, hemp protein powder, rice protein powder, like mixtures like that. Um, I'm also, I have a, a collagen, like a plant based yeah. collagen supplement that I get from ATP. Um, so there is, there's plenty of things out there where I source my protein from. Um, but yeah, I would have to say probably my main ones are tofu, tofu tempeh. And on, um, in terms of your beans. daily, daily nutrition, does it, so from a, you know, say this, this week, it's your, you have, you eating what you're eating leading up to a competition or during competition, do you alter your diet extremely differently or is it, you kind of maintain, you, you kind of eat now as if you are kind of, I guess, competing? Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I eat exactly the same. The only thing that I'd probably add in, and this is something that I've done for a fair amount of years, is I'd probably just increase the amount okay. of beetroot what, what's, what's juice that? that I have. That's probably it. And I do that for about seven seven days. So I have um, extra beetroot juice leading up to competition um, to try and uh, increase the amount of nitrates that I get out of the beetroot juice Um to, to just to increase oxygen support and uh, oxygen transport throughout the body. So um, I, I've uh, heard a few studies have shown that increasing uh, beetroot intake in the lead up to competition can help. So I've done it the last, you know, few years doing it and I, you know, I haven't, haven't noticed any, any bad side effects. So, you know, it's something that I do do, but other than that, like I have beetroot juice yeah. on a regular basis anyway, just because I absolutely love it but I've just probably have it a little bit more leading into competition. But other than that, my diet stays very much the same. Um, every day that I'm training, I want to give myself the best, you know, the best quality food I possibly can. And, you know, also be able to live my life too. So, you know, we have uh, treats from time to time, but they're usually quite okay treats. It's like, we're not, you're not going out and, and binging on like, uh, you know, the worst things in the world, but um, you know, uh, still being able to live your life but uh you know no my diet um, and then in terms of um so your training is like how often do you replicate that competition environment in your training so at a, at a competition you're literally going you know flat stick 100 percent all exertion how often you're training uh week weekly or monthly plan how often you do you look to replicate a competition environment Um, it's actually pretty rare to, um, give it, give it like you would at a competition. It's very hard to try and replicate that unless you're competing yeah. against people that you would be competing against a competition. Um, but y there are times where I'm, you know, going as hard as I can in the gym, probably, uh, you know, depends what it is. If it's weightlifting, there are times where, you know, go for, go for broke is on the cards and you go for broke and then you might go for broke in your workout after that as well. Um, but I would probably say you probably, you get in at least a couple of times a week where there's a workout coined in there and, you know, Michelle might write, okay, you know, crush this one as much as you can, give it the best time you possibly can. Um, but then a lot of the other ones, it's really up to you to decide whether is this something that I need to, figure out a bit more am i going to approach it with this type of game plan okay that wasn't a good game plan i probably should have done something different so you're kind of you're kind of sussing the workout out you're not going about the workout um like we do have workouts that aren't for time yeah. we have workouts that are for quality and we'll do that workout and we'll we'll be probably ticking across it at you know 75 to 80 percent um and there are workouts where you might take it 85 to 90 percent um, but then there are workouts where you're just like, all right, I need to go as fast as I can. And that will usually be like, you know, every three minutes for six rounds, I want you to complete this, this, and this. And it'll roughly take you 90 seconds. So your aim of the game is to make your rounds as fast as possible. So you go, you go for broke to try and get that round between 60 and 90 seconds. So, you know, you're going to get 90 seconds to a minute 40 worth of rest. Um, so there are times that you're doing that too. And you know, that power conditioning type of, scenario but that'll always yeah, be down enough. to what michelle and um wants to you've been doing in function fitness now for quite a few years and you've you've been to the games you've australia's fittest man several times over is are you still driven by still like guess stones unturned in functional fitness 
Yeah, totally. Like, um, I'll at the moment, you know, if you had asked me when I was 21 years old, I would have said, yeah, I'll be doing this for the next 15, 20 years. But, uh, you know, it's, this is my 10th season now. Um, I, I'm taking every season as it comes. If, if, you know, if I'm intrigued and I'm driven by the training um, and I'm having fun and I'm still having fun competing and I still want to put, put my physicality and my mentality to the test, um, then I will. And, you know, I might wake up one day out of the bloom, like, yep, I'm done. Um, but as long as I'm enjoying it and as long as I'm eager to compete, I will. And I'll just take it day by day. Um, I still want to compete at the CrossFit Games at the moment. Um, and, you know, even if this one doesn't go ahead this year and it gets postponed or it gets moved just to next year. Um, so far, I, I, I plan on competing. Um, but after that one's done and dusted, yeah. who knows? Like I might finish that one and be like, yeah, I'm good. Um, or I might finish that one and go, you know what, I'm, I'm still keen to train. Let's just see how it goes. And, you know, let's just look to the next competition and just take it competition by competition. Um, so, yeah, I'm still driven to train and compete and to, and to progress and to get better. Um, and I definitely think there's still room to improve. So I still, I still will put the effort into doing that. At the moment, it's a bit of a hiatus. It's more like maintenance, but prepping ourselves. So when we do have to Excellent. kick you, think you gear, might get back on the, um, the Ironman circuit in the next couple of months oh yeah for sure 100 percent. i think we're actually planning on doing a half iron man just here out the front of my house um soon enough um probably in the next probably what did you, four did to you, six you weeks, a few mates? We'll probably get out there and have a crack at one um just because yeah 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 we'll just do it out here i've got like right at the front nice. of my place is a perfect 1.9 kilometer swim and then we have a, a sweet 90k bike ride loop up around Outer Harbour. And then uh, we'll come back and jog along the coastline here, which is a beautiful coastline the whole way along. And we'll probably hit, we'll do a half marathon out here. So yeah, I'll definitely, I'll definitely dabble in it. But in terms of competitions, I would absolutely love to do a couple more. I would love to go overseas and do some too. Um, I think I would love to go visit um, and do the South African um, uh, half Ironman. Um, I've been to South Africa once before. I absolutely loved it. So I'd love to go do that one. I'd love to go and do Montremblant. I'd love to do the Victoria yeah. one. And I'd obviously love to go to Kona. Um, so that would be, that would be like, if I could go and compete and do the full distance Ironman in Kona, that yeah. would be, uh, yeah, that'd be, uh, yeah, that'd be, that'd be a, a nice challenge, a nice test, wouldn't it? <laughs> oh, hundred percent. That'd, that'd, yeah. And what that'd test Ironman's me hard. about 10, 11 hours. Yeah, it'd be fun. From- memory yeah yeah so i think um roughly when i first got intrigued in doing iron man i looked at what the average time would be for people doing iron man um and like an average an average finishing yeah. time i think it's around 12 12 to 13 hours so 12 and a half hours would be about the median it's a long time uh, moving and not time. <laughs> yeah yeah it is it is but it uh you know, it's, it's quite an enjoyable experience. It's when you build it up so much in your head. Um, I actually found the half Ironman that I originally did. I did the half Ironman prior to the full um, in May. And then I did the full in December. But the one in May that I did, I only, probably, I only had about three or four days. I think it was four days. Four days notice about doing it. And um, I said, yeah, why not? Let's go do it. And that one was probably just as tough. I think, and probably mentally tougher than the full distance Ironman that I did 
in December and I did a faster time on, if you were to halve my, halve my time on my full distance Ironman, it, it actually beat my time on my half distance. I'm Do you both, think that's I'm down to pre- mental preparation and, and or physical half. preparation so, just kind of not, not being in the right headspace? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Well, I was really eager to do the half Ironman, but I just think, um, I think you build yourself up for what you're about to do at, at, at any given time. Like if I said to myself, all right, tomorrow I'm running 10 kilometers. It's like, sweet. I'm going to build myself up to 10 kilometers and that's what I'm going to do tomorrow. And you get through your 10 kilometers and it, you know, might be a, an eight out of 10. But then if I was to say to myself, oh, tomorrow I'm going to go run a marathon you know, I could make that marathon also be an eight out of 10 at the end of the day. Um, I think you just build yourself up for whatever you're about to do. Um, or if I said to myself, oh, I'm going to run 50 Ks tomorrow instead, I could, I could do it. And, you know, I think you become okay with what you're about to do um, in your head. Like, I think we're going to do a marathon on Sunday, um, this Sunday coming <laughs> yeah. um, as a bit of a, you know, something different. Um, and I think, I think it would, you know, I, I'm, I've already thought about it. I've prepped my head about it. I know what's coming. I've done it before. Um, and, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be totally fine. Um, whereas I think, you know, if, for instance, uh, I think I could make a 10 kilometer feel exactly the same as a marathon, um, given, given the amount of thought and the amount of effort that you put in the pace that you go at. Um, yeah. So I think you build yourself up for whatever you're about to do. Uh, so uh, that's the way I see it anyway. No, that that's the way sense. I felt so far. So it's a nice way to spend your Easter done. Easter Sunday at a uh, doing a marathon. I think I'll be doing something differently, but um, I'll be in, uh, in... yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, if the if the waves are up, I think there might be a bit of swell around. So if the waves are still up, I might go for a surf and then you know, maybe tackle it after. Yeah. But um, takes, t- yeah, takes priority. If, if the waves are good, on, good surf, that's always intriguing. It, well, you got to you got to make the most yeah, exactly. of it while it's around. Like I can always. Well, James, it's been a, a pleasure chatting today and digging deeper under the bonnet of an elite level athlete. Um, where can people find you or reach you on on Instagram? Um, so it's literally just my name. So at James Newbury. Um, yeah, and feel free. Like I've got plenty of content on there. But I try and keep it as regular and honest as possible. So excellent. And then yeah, you, you also you might see uh, we haven't touched like on to you own a gym in Adelaide as well. Yeah, Soul Soul Three Six Five is my gym. I'd like to say hi and get a a workout in with Australia's fittest man. Hundred percent. Excellent, mate. Well, it's been great talking. Hundred percent. Yeah, definitely. Anytime. And and stories there from your career. So thank you very much, and um, looking forward to hopefully catching up in person very soon.